Support for this program is provided by Chevron. I'm Annie Snyder. This is Politico Energy. While we still don't know how Democrats will try to promote an energy transition through the reconciliation package, it is clear that the switch from fossil fuels to renewable energies would come at a cost for everyone in the country. So today, we're talking to sustainability editor Lorraine Woolert about the costs and the benefits of the switch to green, and why finance experts say that now is the best time to do it. It's Thursday, October 21st. Lorraine, so in the latest edition of The Long Game, you broke down the ways that an energy transition could hit consumers. So walk us through this. The first of them you describe as the cost of polluting. Why is it going to be more expensive and who is going to front that cost? Look, the world has basically agreed that we need to address climate change. And so how do we do that? Well, one way is to discourage people from burning fossil fuels, right? And so other governments have imposed forms of carbon taxes, on pollution. And um, in the U.S., you know, we may not do that necessarily, but the Biden administration is pushing regulation that will have the same effect. It's just going to be more expensive to pollute regulatorily or tax-wise. And so as long as we continue to use fossil fuels, they're going to be more expensive. As long as consumers are um, buying fossil fuels to heat their houses, like heating oil, for example, or to drive their cars, that's where the average American is going to see the higher costs. But there'll be hidden costs too, right? If the things that you buy are made at factories that still use coal, uh, or if you're, you know, if your electricity is created by coal, you're going to see eventually those costs go up because of regulation or taxes. So next up on the list, you talk about paying for things that aren't broken. What do you mean by that? So, you know, we're transitioning, right? I mean, we still use a lot of fossil fuels. It's still basically our main form of energy, right? And so as we go to a green economy, we have to build green things. Okay, that's fine. That costs money. But we have to, you know, we have to kind of do it anyway. The hidden expense comes is when we kind of get rid of perfectly good things just because they're polluting. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, wait a minute, that's not perfectly good if it's a polluting facility like a coal plant. But the fact remains that whenever we tear down a dirty energy producing facility, we have to replace it. And so there's a hidden cost there, too. And so we're talking about costs in the context of a transition. Are these going to be permanent costs, permanent additional costs, or are they going to go away as we once we've made that transition? So that's the thing. Presumably, all these things are going to go away, right? Once we've figured out how to do this and once we have successfully transitioned to clean energy, you know, the idea is that well, energy will be more or less free or very close to free, right? And I I don't mean that literally, like it's not actually going to be free, but, you know, when you use wind and sun, you don't have to pay to mine coal or pump oil out of the ground. So it's much cheaper, right? Wind and sun come at a much lower cost. So once we get there, energy as um, a consumer expenditure is going to go way, way, way down. Hmm. So it sounds like you're saying that beyond the sort of need for action on climate, there could be an economic case for making these transitions. Is that right? In the long term, absolutely. 
Yeah. So interest rates are low right now, Lorraine. Is this does that make this a particularly good time to be doing some of this? Yes. So um, the things that we have to do to transition cost money, right? It's capital intensive. We have to build windmills. We have to fix the grid. Environmentalists make a strong case and economists make a very strong case that now is the best time to be spending this money. The Fed has kept interest rates next to zero, and it's really, really cheap for the government to borrow. And let's be clear, the government via the taxpayers, you know, is going to be paying for a lot of this um, over the long term. So um, right now, if we're going to do it, let's do it now while interest rates are low and it's really cheap uh, to borrow money. It would be a dereliction of duty to build the infrastructure of America without doing so in a green way. And my view of this is that if it gets you emissions reductions and everything should be considered. And um, look, we can't send the president to, to Gasco, uh, to Gasco with, without uh, a real robust plan. The Euro- also, Democrats on Capitol Hill spent Wednesday regrouping on their climate strategy trying to find a way to get 50 senators on board for a program ambitious enough to significantly ratchet down greenhouse gas emissions. That's after Senator Joe Manchin threw a wrench in their plan for an aggressive clean energy standard. Ideas that appeared dead just days ago are now being reconsidered. Those include beefing up investment in carbon capture and sequestration, an idea that doesn't please progressives who doubt its efficacy. As I spoke about the, sea, uh, the carbon capture and storage, it doesn't work. I mean, look, look at the the, the economics of it. And look at That's the Congressman Ro Khanna. A carbon tax, another idea that looked like it was off the table earlier this week, is also back under discussion. But a meeting between House progressives and Senator Tina Smith, the original author of the Clean Electricity Performance Program, yielded no firm results. Yes, we need to have an alternative to the CEP that is going to hit 50% emissions uh, the 50% emissions by 2030. In the crisis that we have, it's really difficult to take some things off the table. With just over a week to go before the UN's climate summit in Glasgow, it's unclear which of these proposals Democrats will be able to advance, if any at all. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. If you want to support our show, the best way to do it is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And while you're there, check out some of our other shows like Global Insider, Politico Dispatch, and Playbook Deep Dive. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Annie Snyder. Talk to you again tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future.